Hello everyone and I wish you a warm welcome back to our podcast. I am Rika and this is a podcast of Promote Ukraine called Ukraine Up to Date. As usual, we bring out this podcast every week, uh, usually on Mondays, where we put together the most interesting, relevant and of course most important topics and events about Ukraine and talk a little bit about it. So in case you want to stay on top of things that are happening in and around Ukraine, do not worry, we keep you up to date. And without further ado, let's start with the week's hot topics. President Volodymyr Zelensky has left Fort Donbass to visit the advanced position on the line of contact. As the press service of the head of state notes, the main purpose of the meeting with the service members is to boost defenders' morale. Meanwhile, Poland's foreign minister, Zbigniew Rao, is expected to pay an urgent visit to Ukraine due to the threat to peace on Ukraine's borders. Moreover, an increasing number of articles about the redeployment of Russian troops close to the border with Ukraine are appearing in the media. The conflict intelligence team, CIT, research group published new evidence of the concentration of Russian military equipment near the border. In particular, a new large field camp of the Russian army was discovered in the Voronezh region, 170 kilometers of the border with Ukraine. Experts say that Russia is currently carrying out the largest troop movements since the battles of the Baltsev in the winter of 2015. According to other reports, the Russian Federation also is redeploying landing and artillery boats off the Caspian flotilla to the Black Sea. As the Russian military explains, everything happens, and I quote, as part of the control test for the winter training period. The possibility of obtaining a NATO membership action plan, or a MAP, is currently the most pressing issue for Ukraine, according to the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, um, who said that during a conversation with NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg, the president's press service quotes Zelensky as saying, We are committed to reforming our army and defense sector, but reforms alone will not stop Russia. NATO is the only way to end the war in Donbass. Ukraine's MAP will be a real sign for Russia. He briefed NATO Secretary General on Russia's continued accumulation of troops near Ukraine's borders and on their increased readiness for offensive action, and also thanked for the alliance attention for the security situation around Ukraine. The president of Ukraine called on NATO member states to strengthen their military presence in the Black Sea region, which should be a powerful deterrent to Russia that continues the large-scale militarization of the region. At the same time, Stoltenberg posted on his Twitter account, I quote, I called President Zelensky to express serious concern about Russia's military activities in and around Ukraine and ongoing ceasefire violations. NATO firmly supports Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. We remain committed to our close partnership. The day before, NATO Light Land Command stated that Ukraine was one of the valued partners of the alliance. Also, the post reads that NATO Allied Land Command currently has one Ukrainian officer serving in their headquarters. Well, it is noteworthy that this statement was the first post in the Ukrainian language published on the official Twitter account of the NATO Alliance Led Command. The United States called on Russia to reduce tensions in relation with Ukraine and to respect its territorial integrity and sovereignty. Well, this is what the Pentagon press secretary John Kirby said. 
And he also confirmed the information about a troop buildup in the occupied Crimea and in other areas on the border of the two nations. According to Kirby, the US has provided Ukraine with a non-lethal and lethal items that allow Ukrainian people to better defend themselves. And uh, as a quick reminder, the US Senate and the US House of Representatives passed the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021, so the NDAA 2021, and the document provides for the allocation of 250 million in security assistance to Ukraine, including 75 million for the purchase of lethal weapons for the needs of the armed forces of Ukraine, an increase of 25 million compared to 2020. Moreover, the NDAA 2021 stipulates a tightening of sanctions over the construction of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, including the expansion of the list of services subject to US sanctions under Protecting Europe Energy Security Act of 2019. The Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Dmitry Kuleba, had a telephone conversation with the Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Kingdom of the Netherlands, Stef Bloch. Kuleba informed his counterpart in detail about the latest actions of the Russian Federation. So again, the destabilization of the security situation in the temporarily occupied territories and attempts to disrupt the peace process, and also concentration of Russian troops on the border of Ukraine. He also assured Ukraine's commitment to a political diplomatic settlement. Well, of course, Bloch expressed concern over Russia's actions and assured that the Netherlands would continue to support Ukraine's independence, sovereignty and territorial integrity. As he said, Ukraine is not alone. The ministers discussed preparations for the EU Foreign Affairs Council meeting scheduled for the 19th of April, to which the Ukrainian foreign minister was also invited. In conclusion, uh, the parties discussed the preparation for the inaugural summit of the Crimean platform. As a reminder, the ministries of foreign affairs of Germany and France expressed concern about the growing number of ceasefire violations in eastern Ukraine and stated that they were monitoring the situation closely. The statement reads, I quote, We are closely monitoring the situation and in particular Russian troop movements and call on all sides to show restraint and to work towards the immediate de-escalation of tensions. It is noted that official Berlin and Paris emphasized the need to respect the territorial integrity of Ukraine within its internationally recognized borders and will continue to negotiate in the Normandy format. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Republic of Poland informs that Poland is constantly working towards strengthening the EU sanctions regime against Russia over its aggressive policy in Ukraine. The ministry statement says that Russia's confrontational policy, traditionally backed by demonstrative military movements and provocative military exercises, as well as large-scale and aggressive disinformation policy, is particularly evident in the combat zone where it is easy to shift the blame for escalation to the other party of the conflict. It is noted that the number of ceasefire violations has tripled since mid-March compared to January or February, according to the OSC SMM reports. Um, to quote again the statement of the Foreign Ministry of Poland, there is an increasing number of very intense, provocative shelling by Russian-backed illegal armed groups. This leads to serious incidents, as a result of which Ukrainian soldiers die. 
The diplomats state that they maintain close contacts with their Ukrainian counterparts and that at least several more meetings at the level of ministers and deputy ministers, as well as multilateral formats such as the Lublin Triangle, are to take place this year. And again, as a quick reminder, Poland is preparing to chair the OSCE, which is actively involved in the process of resolving the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. Poland intends to efficiently use the chairmanship to try to de-escalate the situation in eastern Ukraine and support the conflict-affected people in Donbass. The Russian Federation intimidates Europe by sending its combat aircraft to the borders of the European Union's airspace. This is what Belgium MEP Asita Kanko from the European Conservatists and Reformists Group posted on her Facebook page. She promised to file a corresponding urgent parliamentary inquiry from the European Parliament's Committee on Foreign Affairs and Subcommittee on Security and Defense. Uh, to quote what she wrote, it is shocking that Russia again, in capital letters, again, sends bombers into the sky over the North Sea countries for fun. It's a matter of our security. MEP Kanku believes that the European Union should not underestimate this and, of course, should not agree to such actions because it is a display of disrespect. Earlier, two Russian Tu-142 military planes approached the airspace of the Netherlands and did not adhere to the identification procedures. As a result, two Belgium F-16s were deployed over the North Sea. According to NATO, the Alliance's fighter jets scrambled 10 times on the 29th of March to shadow Russian bombers and fighters during an unusual peak of flights over the North Atlantic, North Sea, Black Sea and the Baltic Sea. As the Ministry of National Defense of Lithuania informs, uh, between the 29th of March and the 4th of April, fighter aircraft conducting the NATO air policing mission in the Baltic states were scrambled seven times to identify and escort military aircraft of the Russian Federation in the international airspace over the Baltic Sea. On the 6th of April, head of the president's office, Andrei Yermak, presented a new government agency, the Center for Countering Disinformation, to G7 ambassadors, representatives of Israel, Finland, and NATO in Kiev. To quote, the purpose of the center is to emphasize the importance of protecting the information sphere for Ukraine's national security, counteracting propaganda, destructive disinformation campaigns, as well as preventing manipulation of public opinion. Um, this is what Paulina Lysenko, the head of the newly created agency, said. The establishment of the Center for Countering Disinformation is a logical decision because Ukraine is currently at the forefront of a hybrid war, an important component of which is information and psychological operations that operate by means of spread of panic, manipulation of the population's sentiments. Over the years, the confrontation with the Russian Federation, Ukraine has accumulated considerable experience in countering fakes and propaganda, so the newly established center aims to coordinate the work of government agencies in this area to cooperate with other countries on information security. However, it should be noted that the Ministry of Information Policy has been functioning in Ukraine since December 2014, and uh, one of the tasks of which is to protect the information space of Ukraine from external information influence. However, the newly created center is not a structural unit of the ministry. It was created on the basis of the National Security and Defense Council, 
Thus, it is embedded in the presidential vertical, and Volodymyr Zelensky himself sees the center as an international hub in the fight against propaganda and fakes around the globe. It is noteworthy, though, that head of the Center for Combating Disinformation, Polina Lysenko, has been unrelated to um, similar initiatives in her career. She's a lawyer and worked in various government agencies before. The experts from the Institute of Mass Information took note of the legal status of the newly created body, the competence and powers of the National Security and Defense Council in these matters, and underscored the following, I quote again, it is currently unknown how exactly the center will operate, which mechanism it will use to fight against disinformation, and in the end, what exactly it will consider disinformation. The relevant data was not published in any regulations, not mentioned in any interview. Time will tell whether the new agency will manage to become an effective tool to overcome problems, in particular to find a balance between the protection of Ukraine and the protection of freedom of speech. G7 ambassadors met with Prime Minister of Ukraine, Denis Shmihal. The importance of meeting the conditions for the IMF standby arrangement and EU macrofinancial assistance was raised during the conversation. To quote the statement that was posted on the Twitter account of the UK presidency of the G7 ambassadors support group in Ukraine, G7 ambassadors met Prime Minister Denis Shmihal yesterday for a wide-ranging discussion. They reaffirmed support for Ukraine's reform efforts and the importance of meeting the agreed conditions for the IMF standby arrangement and the EU macrofinancial assistance. Moreover, G7 ambassadors acknowledged the ongoing challenges of COVID-19. During the meeting, the reform of Ukraine's military-industrial complex and the importance of good governance across the full range of economic activity were discussed. In particular, G7 ambassadors encouraged Ukraine's further contribution to global action on climate change. And as a quick reminder, the other day the Cabinet of Ministers stated that they considered it essential to resume cooperation with the IMF by the middle of this year, otherwise Ukraine would lose the second tranche of EU macrofinancial assistance worth 600 million euros. Brussels transferred the first half of the sum without additional conditions in December 2020. To receive the next 600 million, Ukraine must implement a number of reforms. So, Zelensky made a working visit to Turkey where he held talks with Erdogan. Following the meeting in Istanbul, the heads of state signed a joint declaration of the ninth meeting of the high-level strategic council between Ukraine and Turkey. As the president's office informs, Zelensky and Erdogan agreed to cooperate in the following areas. So first, we have uh, the support to the establishment of the Crimean platform as a tool to settle the issue of occupation of the peninsula. Then, deepen cooperation in economy, trade, tourism, security, defense industry, science, education and youth. Then also, they want to develop cooperation and joint efforts in the fight against terrorism, separatism and extremism, as well as strengthen cooperation in improving the living conditions of Ukrainian citizens, and uh, very important in particular, Crimean Tatars, who were forced to leave Crimea due to the occupation of the peninsula, and also to provide prompt processing of extradition requests. 
Kyiv and Ankara also agreed to continue coordinating steps to restore Ukraine's territorial integrity within its internationally recognized borders, including the deoccupation of Crimea and the city of Sevastopol, as well as the territories in the Donetsk and Luhansk regions. Following the meeting with Zelensky, the president of Turkey confirmed his country's decision, in principle, not to recognize the annexation of Crimea by the Russian Federation. At the same time, Erdogan said that the situation in Donbass should be resolved peacefully within the framework of the Minsk agreements. Turkey also supported Ukraine's NATO membership prospects, including its intention to obtain the NATO membership action plan in the near future. In addition, according to Zelensky, the authorities of Ukraine and Turkey have a common stance on the issues of security and counteraction to threats in the Black Sea region. So that was already actually it with this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as usual, make sure to share your thoughts with us. And if you want to have more information on Ukraine-EU-Russia relations and read other articles as well, you can, of course, always, always visit promoteukraine.org. And of course, follow us on our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, under the name Promote Ukraine. For now, I wish you a wonderful Monday, a wonderful start into the week, and I'm excited to see you next week with some fresh and new information.